0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome you
1: to our line starts. It looks like we are not going to see the Stanley Cup handed out anytime soon. We're not on schedule. This was supposed to be the week of the Stanley Cup playoffs started. Uh, unfortunately, the NHL is still on pause. And you get to see me in a hat in my house, Liam McEwitt alongside Patrick Sharp. (laughs) I don't think Millberry does these guys, so I just put them up right (laughs) there. You can see them right there. They'll be staring at us. Just watching over us. His presence looking down on all of us. All right, so we were supposed to start the Stanley Cup playoffs this week. Uh, it's, you know, it's the week we look forward to. Things get crazy for us. Uh, a lot of work, but it's always a lot of fun. Uh, to be back right now, Stanley Cup playoff
2: memories, your first playoff game. Start with you. Well, it was um, against the Buffalo Sabres, 2000. Uh, we were the first seed against the eighth seed Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Dominic Hasik down at the other end. And it ended up being a 3-2 win for us, the home team. Keith Jones actually scored in that game, believe it or not. Uh, A power play goal for Jones. He got the scoring underway. But uh, we played back-to-back games in that that series uh, on back-to-back nights. For whatever reason, I think there was a scheduling conflict with the building. So we played game one. I uh, won 3-2, to two, and then we played game two the following night and got up 2 nothing in the series uh, before you could blink an eye. So uh, a good start to my playoff career.
3: Jarby, yours uh, a good start as well? Mine was on the same team as Boosh. Two different years, of course, but uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. And, uh, Boosh, I know we're trying to make these stories entertaining. You can't be lying to the fans. Keith Jones didn't score in that game, did he? Did he actually Look it score? Up. Look it up. You know it. <laughs> Okay, well, mine was, uh, was came as a, like an unexpected surprise, I guess you'd say. I was called up from the minor league team uh, to be with the NHL club in Philadelphia as a black ace, kind of a 13th, 14th forward uh, for the playoff run. And the night before the game, it was an afternoon game, actually, the night before I got a phone call from Ken Hitchcock, and I thought it was one of my friends pranking me, telling me I was going to be playing the game, uh, game one, against the New Jersey Devils at home against Philly. And it took me about half an hour to figure out it was actually Hitch telling me I was going into the lineup. So I played. I didn't play very much, but it was fun to be a part of that team and we had a nice run. I love that you really believe you're being pranked and <laughs> that you are in a playoff game. I just thought there was no way I was getting in the lineup, but sure enough, I made it in there. You know,
1: uh, I was trying to think back to when I first started at NBC and when my first playoff game was, and it was definitely 2011. Uh, I think it involved the Sabres as well. I think it was Sabres-Flyers 2011, and we used to... For some of these earlier playoff games and I remember being there uh in Buffalo to do a game uh to do the intermissions with Mike McMurray and I went to school in Buffalo so it was kind of cool I hadn't been back in a long time such a great hockey town and I was like this is going to be great I went to school here I'll be coming here every year they lost in seven they have not made the playoffs since so cool not a great story sorry for the people in Buffalo but uh Hey, listen, you know, we all miss hockey right now. We definitely miss it this time of year. Um, you know, the playoffs, you know, it's what we wait all season for. It's what the fans wait all season for. Over the weekend, uh, you know, listen, we're all missing sports, every sport that's out there. And over the weekend, the president met with, uh, well, had a conference called various commissioners from all different pro sports. That included Commissioner Gary Bettman. And recently, Gary Bettman spoke with Mike Tirico on Lunch Talk. Take a listen to what he had to say
4: one nice way to help distract some of our attention a little bit to see all these players at home whether working out or with family Uh, the league players have really made themselves very available to their fans via social media the last couple months
0: Uh, our guys have been absolutely terrific under incredibly difficult circumstances difficult for everybody not just them uh, but They love the game, they love our fans, and by putting themselves out there, it's really an opportunity to have people stay connected with the game and to put a smile on people's faces. As I was watching the video that you were showing, I was smiling to myself, and I don't smile a lot these days because, you know, this is a real difficult time that we're all dealing with.
4: You, Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, Rob Manfred at the front lines of it, but certainly the commissioners in college and every sport have so many issues to deal with right now. Many of the leaders in the sports world were on a conference call with President Trump on Saturday. How would you describe the content and the context of that call?
0: Well, first of all, uh, all of us running sports uh, are basically focused on the same things. First and foremost, uh, people's health and well-being and safety is the most important. And while we all miss sports, either putting it on or watching it, and we all wanna come back as quickly as possible, uh, we understand what the number one priority is. Uh, The conference call was for the four majors plus a number of the other sports. Uh, President Trump uh, gave us a briefing uh, and uh, brought us up to date. Obviously, he, like us, would like to see sports back at the right time, both in terms of what sports represents in bringing people together. Uh, and also, we're a bit of an economic engine. I mean, tens of thousands of people work in sports. Uh, and each of us had an opportunity to, to make a comment, ask a question. Uh, and it was, I think, a very cordial, constructive conversation, although the uncertainty of the times Uh, weren't clarified in that call. We're all gonna have to wait until we have a lot more information, maybe in the next few weeks, before we can make any decisions.
4: Yeah, you went right to my next point. How did the content of the conversation, and I'm sure you can't share a lot of it, how did it in any way change your mindset of where maybe a target date could be if things go well?
0: I, I think right now there's too much uncertainty. Uh, hopefully, we'll all know more uh, by the end of April. From from an NHL standpoint, and I'm sure this is what the other leagues are doing, uh, we're viewing all of our options. We want to be ready to go as soon as we get a green light. And the green light may not be crystal clear because there may still be some places in the country where you can't play and other places where you can. Uh, we're looking at all options. Nothing's been ruled in. Nothing's been ruled out. And it's largely going to be determined, what we do, uh, by how much time there is, because we have next season to focus on as well, and, and the health of the country, and by the country, I mean both Canada and the U.S., obviously.
4: Right. I was going to get to that next because it's a cascading set of issues differently for all of you. And for you especially, uh, no disrespect and full acknowledgement to the NBA champion Toronto Raptors, but that's the one NBA team of the 30 in a different country. You have seven of your 31 franchises in Canada. Have you been in conversation at all with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau or anyone in the Canadian government of, uh, of next level down, just in terms of where they are in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic?
0: We're, we're staying in touch with appropriate governmental authorities at all levels. Uh, and there aren't a lot of answers yet. What we can do, and which we did when, when we took the pause, was we, we wanted to make sure that our, our people, players in particular, were healthy, uh, that we weren't part of spreading the virus, uh, and that our community has basically been uh, self-isolated, We've, we've only had seven players uh, who tested positive, five on one team, and that wasn't surprising. It was a team that had a fly cross country and somebody was infected on the plane. Uh, there have been a number of tests and, and uh, uh, they have been negative. But in the final analysis, we're all as a family, as a league, doing what we have to do to keep our people healthy and not be part of the problem. And I know it's got to be incredibly frustrating for our players who not only love the game but they love staying in shape uh, and this has been a challenging time for everyone but when, when we get the opportunity to allow workouts uh, which may be jurisdiction by jurisdiction when we get the opportunity to play on some basis then we'll be prepared to execute whatever makes the most sense under the circumstances at the time.
4: And you make an interesting point. Roger Goodell sent out a memo with the NFL teams yesterday about equity for all 32 clubs. Uh, you you know, Let's say New York's a hot spot, right? And Governor Cuomo is going to have uh, some issues, obviously, that other governors do not. But you have four of your franchises right in the New York area, if you add the Devils right across the river over in Newark, New Jersey. Will you need to have all 31 franchises having equal opportunity to get back to preparation? before you give a green light for the season to get going? Uh,
0: Our clubs, if nothing, are extraordinarily competitive and whatever we do has to be fair, (laughs) Um, which is why there's been some public speculation in the media about neutral site games in, in remote parts of the country. That's just part of considering all of the potential options depending on how we find the circumstances. But when you talk about fairness, Uh, You know, we also have issues about if we get to play a playoffs, who gets in, if we can't complete the regular season. We had, I think, seven teams on the bubble, and they all think they would have had a chance. We have to deal with the lottery and order of selection in the draft. So the best thing and the easiest thing would be if at some point we could complete the regular season and then go into the playoffs as we normally do. We understand that that may not be possible. And that's why we're considering every conceivable alternative to deal with whatever the eventuality is. But again, it it doesn't even pay to speculate because nobody in any of the sports knows enough now to make those profound decisions.
4: Right. About a dozen games left in your regular season in uh, our last couple of minutes. Do you have a window of how long it might take from a green light to when teams could get back on the ice? What are the hockey people telling you about that?
0: Well, first and foremost, we have to give the op- an opportunity for the players to get back into game shape, uh, and they're going to need to tune up, and that's something we're consulting, and we'll be continuing to c- consult with the Players Association on, because as, as important as health and well-being is right now, and that's paramount over everything, and and when and how we play sports. But when we come back, we have to make sure that we don't do anything to jeopardize uh, the players in terms of their ability to play and making sure that they're in game-ready shape. And that all goes into the equation. Yes, we, we need at least a couple of weeks for that. Um, and, but I do believe we can play into the summer, uh, well into the summer. And you know, even on, on the NBC platforms, the fact that the Olympics have been postponed gives us a broader window to focus on when and how we can play. And so nothing has been ruled in and nothing has been ruled out. And when you talk
4: about the summer in the older days and older Mm -hmm. times, we'd always talk about quality of ice. And obviously that's way, way, way down the priority list right now. But you do feel comfortable that you could play into the summer in buildings and still have the ice surface quality be good enough to hold games that the, the, uh, the teams would be comfortable playing?
0: You know, the, game, the days of when games had to be postponed because there was no air conditioning in a building or a lawn behind us. We have modern, state-of-the-art buildings. We play in places like Florida, Southern California, Arizona, Las Vegas, uh, Dallas. We, mm-hmm. we, we can handle making ice now in any condition. Uh, because our buildings are that good and our ice-making capability is that good. As you know, because we play outdoors too, even when it's warm sometimes. So uh, ice won't be a factor. That'll be, it'll be something we'll deal with, but it'll be the least of the issues we're focused on.
4: Lastly, for you, uh, you have to be a leader and have to listen to all the constituencies around you. And uh, leadership can be lonely. This is also a difficult time for leaders. Uh, What has this been like for you to go through these uh, last few weeks of uncertainty and all of us asking questions about when can we get back to hockey? Uh,
0: Listen, we all have have the same concerns. Uh, I'm extraordinarily fortunate that I have great ownership that's incredibly supportive. uh, And the league office organization and the people that I work with day in and day out and the organizations out at all of our clubs Uh, are outstanding and are focused on what's important. Uh, And, but we're all passionate about the game. The Players Association has been continuously engaged in constructive dialogue. Uh, You know, we we love our game. We love all the people that are involved in our game on and off the ice. Our first focus is keeping everybody healthy and safe. uh, And we want to get back to playing for our fans and for the love of the game. Uh, as soon as it makes sense and is safe to do so.
4: Well, I know you love traveling around to see the playoffs, and uh, we love seeing you at the Stanley Cup final. We're sorry that that's not going to happen as scheduled on the calendar. But we all hold out hope that we'll be doing that uh, a little bit later on this summer. Commissioner Gary Bettman, National Hockey League. Thank you. Stay safe. We'll see you down the road.
0: Be well. Stay safe. Thank-
1: all right, so definitely some interesting stuff there from Gary Bettman, not exactly tipping his hand. He's not going to hold wish about start times just wants to be prepared when the green light is given. Uh, logistics are interesting because it's not just city to city uh, as he and Mike talked about it's nation to nation. We could have quite teams in the playoffs this year. Um, but I thought it was, you know, I thought it was very fascinating that he was extremely honest about the idea that we may not be able to complete this regular season. There are seven teams on the bubble. There's the lottery to be taken into account. Um, but he really wants to be fair. These teams are competitive. You guys are foreign players. You know how competitive these guys are. What is fair? Let's say they cannot complete the regular season. They have to have it now. What do you think is a fair way to settle this, considering there are these bubble
2: teams? Boosh. Well, I think you just got to go to the, 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 the lowest number possible of games played. And I think that's 68 games and, and backtrack everybody to 68 games. Uh, and just go from there. And, and the the records that you had at 68, the top eight, make it. And, and you go from there and try and see if you can get a best of seven series in each round at that point. Uh, to me, that would be uh, the fairest. I'm not saying every team would like it, but uh, it would give you uh, the closest that you could possibly have to a normal postseason. You know, just the other way you do it, maybe adding teams, uh, you know, that are in the lower wild card, you know, four or five teams additionally. Uh, to me, I don't know how much time you're going to have, and, and I don't know if that's something that uh, seeing that we don't know how much time we have, where the venues would be, uh, if that would be possible. I think if you just went back to 68 games, it's unfortunate for the teams that played 71 and didn't get in. Uh, but to me, that would be the best way to do
3: it, in my opinion. It's tough, Liam, to really – There's arguments to be made here on both sides. Definitely... There is, and it's tough to make a, a fair – a ruling for everybody involved, to be quite honest with you, it's an unfair situation. The other option would be to go to points percentage, uh, counting every game that's been played. The top eight teams in each conference with the highest points percentage get in. Uh, there'd be some arguments there as well, but and I, I don't really know what your answer is. I do like some of the creativity that's going out there because but right before the season was put on pause, there were some great races in both conferences. The New York Rangers are a team that come to mind. The Islanders were sitting on the outside looking in. Western Conference I mean, take your pick. There was three or four teams there that were gearing up for a a pretty significant three weeks to end the final regular season, regular games. But I don't know what the right answer is. I would lean to more points percentage. That way, every game that mattered throughout the regular season.
1: Yeah, I mean, because if you're one of those teams that won a game, you know, after Game 68, uh, you, you look at Columbus Blue Jackets. You mentioned the New York Islanders. The Blue Jackets sit there, and they're above the Islanders. They won their last game. They played more games than the Islanders, but they won their last game. Uh, it's hard to know that they played the game, we watched the game, and then to say the game just didn't happen. It, it's, it's, hard, it's difficult to know what's fair at this point, uh, but we're in a situation that is totally unforeseen, uh, something you can't prepare for, and the guys are just trying to make their way through it and figure it out. Um, we're still waiting to see if and when they are actually going to play any games, let alone tough games, but he also referenced some of the stuff that's out there in the media about uh, possibilities for the postseason, possibilities for the playoffs. And um, what's happening, and you see reports out there that the NBA possibly tink- tinkering or thinking about a centralized postseason, playing a bunch of games in Vegas perhaps, uh, Premier League in England uh, considering a similar situation. I know Scott Burnside of The Athletic wrote all about it. What do you two think of the idea of centralized playoffs, uh, of putting a group of teams in one area? Um, as former players, I mean, this whole thing, this whole situation is one giant adjustment. That would just be one other adjustment, do you think, Charlie?
3: Yeah, as long as the NBC broadcasters covering the game get to go to Arizona or Florida or Las Vegas, wherever we're putting these games, uh, because we need to be a part of it as well. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a cool idea. I love the creativity, again. Uh, I think back to the times I went to the World Championships of Hockey in April and May, and every team is playing out of two cities. There's 16 countries involved, uh, the World Hockey Championship in September a couple years ago. Everybody was playing out of Toronto, Montreal, a couple other cities as well. So it does give a unique perspective to it. I think it would be cool to see... Uh, 16 teams kind of floating around the same area getting things done, but there's so much to figure out uh, outside of hockey before we can even put these thoughts together. But I would like to see it. It would be pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, considering the fact that this is a
3: scenario where you
2: probably wouldn't have fans uh, at the game, that to me uh, is going to create a unique environment to begin with. So if, if that's the case, having them in one spot, limiting the travel, lim- limiting the exposure that they have to, I guess, the outside world, just in case there were to be another flare-up, uh, you know, I-, I think it makes for, for, for an interesting situation. I think the guys would rally around that. Uh, certainly, it would be different to play in front of a building where you don't have fans. But that also might lend to maybe, you know, on the broadcast side, something that could be enhanced, you know, different angle positions, maybe more microphones to get a better feel for what's being said during the game. Uh, And and maybe look at the game from a a different lens at that point. Uh, It's different. And and I think that we have to embrace whatever the change is going to be, whatever the new world will be for the playoffs. I think uh, we have to embrace it. I don't mind the idea because you're probably putting teams in one spot to keep them safe. And I think that's the most important thing is the player's safety. More microphones brings up uh, another really interesting topic: the idea of
1: audio during these games. If and when you return, perhaps we have these games without fans in the arena. Uh, listen, uh, half of playoff hockey is speeding off the emotion and the fans, and I think that's just from a viewing standpoint. You know, you know something big is happening when you flip the game on and the fans are going absolutely crazy. Uh, so you're there, you're on the ice, put yourself back into the time you're playing. Would you want noise pumped in? Would you want some sort of ambient sound behind you rather than just nothing as if you were on pra- at practice? Or, or does that not
2: work for you? Well, I don't know if I'd want fake noise because it just is, doesn't seem genuine. And I think, you know, what you will have that would be normal, like a normal game, is that during a whistle, they will play music over the loudspeaker in the building. So that'll be as normal as possible. But what you won't have is... If there's a, a big play, a big save, a big hit, or uh, something that gets the people out of their seat, you're not gonna have that rush of excitement from the crowd, which which will be different. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but you know, Sharpie and I, we played in games and preseason exhibitions where maybe you're playing in a smaller rink and there's there are no fans and you still find a way to compete. And, and try to get a job done. I think the focus as a player when you get on the ice is going to be about, okay, my surroundings are going to be a little bit different, but the job is still the same. You still have to approach it the same way and with the same intensity. Uh, you just may not be able to get that jolt that you typically get from your home crowd when something good happens in your own building, which will, which will be an adjustment for
3: the players. Yes, so much of the Stanley Cup playoffs comes down to crowd noise, handling it on the road, uh, using it to your advantage on home ice, I wouldn't want the fake crowd noise. I look back to my experiences, and Boosh is right in training camp a few times. You're playing those inner squad games in front of an empty building at the United Center. It's a weird feeling. You get used to it after a while, and you really got to rely on each other, your teammates, to kind of create your own noise. The guy makes a big play, a hit, a save, a goal. You explode on the bench. You make some noise. It would make for a unique situation. Fun to watch. Uh, that's for sure. And I love Boosh's idea. NBC, our broadcasting group, we can come up with some creative ideas to kind of show why hockey is such a fun sport to watch um, all playoffs long.
1: Well, I think you can really get creative here. Let's have uh, multiple audio feeds. You get to select at home your audio feed. And I think one should be, should be the raw, R-rated, on-the-ice audio <laughs> feed. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, parental supervision, you decide at home whether you're ready to hear what you're going to hear. But I know I would like to hear that. It would be fantastic. Uh, and then maybe one with the pumped-in bands, one with organ music throughout the whole thing. But I, I, I say options out there.
2: Um, I want to hear what you guys are saying on the ice during the playoffs. Well, to me, that's that's the most interesting part of of the game. And as players, it's probably the one thing that we probably miss the most, or at least I do, is the the banter amongst players and uh, the game within the game, trying to get in somebody's head, trying to gain that edge. Sometimes the line is crossed occasionally. Uh, and, but I think, you know, guys are willing to push the envelope as far as they can. It'd be great to, to get some, you know, multiple mics on players perhaps, you know what I mean, and see if you can get some, some footage that way uh, in a playoff game. Just find different ways to sell the game, sell the product, Knowing that it's an unusual circumstance, but we're, you know, trying our very best to to bring the game to the fans who are sitting at home who've gone through a tough time and maybe bring some excitement to them seeing that they can't be in the building. I think it'd be a, a real unique experience.
3: It would be cool to watch. It would be cool to take part in, uh, that's for sure, but let's not – forget what makes hockey such an awesome sport to be a part of. It's being at the game live. It's the crowd noise. It's the momentum swings. And that has to do with all the fans that are in the building. So although these ideas are awesome, they're creative, they're fun, I hope something happens and we do get to award the Stanley Cup this year, I just hope we do it in front of a full building.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think we're all sort of hopeful that Hockey A returns. And even if it does return with some empty arenas, eventually we get to the point where fans can be there and we can see them celebrate. Uh, I also like that, subtly, what you're basically saying is, all those ideas are really creative and everything, but I think they're <laughs> not really what you were getting at. Which, you know, Boosh, if you miss people chirping and everything that people say, you're really just getting
2: it right here anyway. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, listen, I, I think however we can have uh, hockey here, uh, if, if it's late summer, I say we do it. Um, I mean, to me, like I said, we're all going through a hard time, both, you know, Canada and the United States. The fans love hockey. Uh, If there's a way that it can happen, uh, get it done. Uh, But, you know, the safety of the players, the safety of fans, the safety of the people covering the game, that has to be first and foremost in everybody's mind before they decide to make any decision. You know, before we get going here, Jake, our researcher,
1: sent me this note. Backing up Boosh. Jonesy's goal, April thirteenth, 2000. Wow, big 20-year anniversary is coming up, so make sure you this something nice. Game one against Buffalo. Power play goal to open up the scoring. Boosh is hitting hit by the save that night.
2: 18 saves. Flyers win 3-2. Busy night for you, buddy. 18 saves. I know. Good defensive team. Probably all shots from the blue line. Uh, I don't think I made any big saves in that game. Who knows? As far as I remember, it's just a win. I know that Jonesy scored. I I, I did remember that, uh, and I think we had a short goal in that game too uh, to make it two nothing. But I'm going off like distant memory. I do remember Jonesy scoring oddly enough in that game, and I think we had a short goal in that game. And I remember getting was up it a in good series. goal? Was it was it decent? Jonesy's? Uh, I just remember it was a power play goal. I think it was our first power play of the game, and he scored. I don't even know why I remember that. It's the yes, power it play. Oh well, I did just say it. I mean, so. it must have know, been.
3: Yeah. Uh, it must have been a bad line change if Jonesy was out there on the power play. <laughs> <scoring> the
2: goal. <laughs> probably Jonesy, get off the ice. I'm going. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen, that was Jonesy was a, you know, he was a critical player for us uh, playing with Lindros and McClare. Like he was, you know, I always remember when he got traded from Colorado the year prior, I was in the minors and they traded Sean Podine, a fan favorite in Philadelphia for Keith Jones. And every time I saw Jonesy in interviews, he was always like super intense. And like, you know, like I was like, man, this guy's an animal. Like, and we were in different practice facilities at the time. And then when I got to be teammates with him, I realized that once the cameras stopped rolling, this guy was the biggest jokester going on. He was always cracking jokes and getting under people's skin. He was the greatest teammate. Uh, But he had me fooled. I thought he was going to be
3: this guy that was all intense all the time. Far from it. Boosh, try working in the studio with Keith Jones, and you're screwing up. I screw up all the time live on camera. And to the side of me, Jonesy's <laughs> off camera laughing and making fun of me live on the broadcast. It's not easy to do, deal with, it, but I miss you guys. I miss going to the studio, but one thing I miss more than anything is, is those long talks with Keith Jones. He's become a great friend over the years, so miss you, Jonesy. Yeah, He's we definitely ledger. do. You
1: know, the best is you get him uh, on the other side when we're in the studio and someone's in the middle, and if someone in the middle who's on a single shot at all doing like just torturing a second staring <laughs> right at me with this grin on his face just, <laughs> and you're just trying not to laugh but you're right and then he goes on he does his thing and he's very sincere he's learned how to bake the sincerity it, 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 <laughs> it really did started as a player he knew where he was going there was a plan oh yeah well guys listen it is uh, always fantastic catching up uh, we we obviously uh Miss hockey, but you know, as Sharpie mentioned, yeah, I just missed this. So, uh, be well, and uh, you know, we'll chat again real soon. Okay, guys. All right, Liam Bush, All good right. to see you guys. See you. All guys. All right, see that'll you. do it for this edition of Our Line Starts. As always, appreciate you checking out the podcast. So, for Brian Boucher, Patrick Sharp, I'm Liam McHugh. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.